Hi, welcome to Foresight, exploring thought and ambition with Prob and Caden. Today's date is January 8th, 2023. Let's get started. So, Caden, how was your past week? What's been going on? Well, um, the only, uh, I guess the only new thing is, uh, as you know, school, going back to school after winter break. Is, uh, yeah. uh, my schedule is pretty much the same. I've just, I, I just had one teacher get changed for a, Okay. Uh, I mean, other than that, yeah, just going back to the normal school schedule, really. All right, gotcha. Uh, uh, well, um, my school doesn't start until tomorrow, so I'm I'm pretty lucky. I didn't have school yet. Uh, I've just been, you know, working on our business, trying to expand that. It's been, you know, as you know, it's been a very very hard week this week, trying to you know code something that we have very little knowledge over, and so. Yeah, I plan to outsource it. So if we don't get that code down within, I'd say today or tomorrow, we'll have to outsource that piece of code. So for those of you uh, people who don't know, we're developing an app which will be finished and out in the App Store soon, and we'll be you know sure to advertise that once it's out, and hope you guys will use it and enjoy it. So yeah, that's been pretty hard this past week. Um, other than that, you know, we're reading. Uh, I've been getting some decent reading time in, you know, starting to incorporate that into my daily schedule more. And yeah, that's, that's about it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, I guess, reading, yeah. Right. I've been I've been lacking as far as uh, the amount or uh, just, just reading in general. I've read uh, to page 280 of Intelligent Investors. That's like uh, <laughs> not that much compared to last time, but you know, in my defense, right? Uh, there, there's been like a, a chess bug going around and like I actually kind of noticed this back at school there's been a lot of people like that are just like in like playing chess like on their phones on like chess.com and stuff and that I've, I've been bitten by that bug you know mm-hmm. I'm now a chess addict so every time I've been like oh you know I could I should I ought to pick up the book and you know start reading some and in my mind I go through a little checklist like all right do I have any schoolwork I need to do and like then a- after that checklist I can usually just go and read the book but now it's like well, you know, I can also just like study some chess and like, you know, mm-hmm. so that's what I've been doing, but I, I've still been learning though. It's not like I've just been, you know, sitting on my butt all day, you know, not doing anything. I've just been like just studying chess mostly. Okay. Okay. Got you. Any, anything new in, um, intelligent investor up to page two eight you've learned? Oh, things I've learned. Yeah. There, there's actually a few, like good quotes <laughs> I could bring up. Um, I mean, basically, like the main, the main like takeaway is just to like, like diversify. I I read the um the rather famous chapter eight, I guess, which is uh, I don't know. Warren Buffett said that was like the best chapter in the book, and uh, it, it was pretty good. It's pretty much like oh, just a way of describing the stock market, I guess. Um, it's like let's see, it's it's pretty much just saying like the market is just like telling you what it thinks like the value of a company should be but and if you come to like evaluation like of your own and the, and the market is different then like you shouldn't be like that worried about it really if you buy into a strong company and like you have a, an ownership interest in that company then what the market quotes like if the market says i don't know like let's say the stock goes down like 10 percent like oh okay i guess i gotta go back and look at the like the financial sheets and like, you know, make sure everything's still intact. You go and do that. Everything is still the same, right? There's been no, you know, big 
macro shift, and then like you, you don't need to worry about it. And maybe that's a time for you to buy because right now it seems to you that the market is undervaluing the company. Okay. Right. And as opposed to, you know, the, the more typical like point of view where it's like the, the market's price is you know, final. Right. And so if the market says it's going down, oh, that means it's the, the price of the company has gone down. But the, the, the quote for the stock isn't like directly like a hundred percent correlated to that actual value of the company. And what you should be investing in is the actual value of the company, not the market quotation. And that, that's really been like the main thing that I've taken away. And, you know, I mean, Graham is a great author and such, but it's a, it's a tough book yeah. as I, I probably already said, but I know that, I mean, that's really a, a very like key. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Value investing. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. important. Yeah. So, yeah, I haven't got to um, intelligent investor yet, but I finished thinking fast and slow. Um, more of, you know, heuristics and biases that humans naturally have. And that was, um, yeah, a, a very interesting book, actually, into um, that looks into the human mind and sees like, okay, where are we messing up? You know, where are things not correlating? Where are we, you know, making huge mistakes in regards to what the statistics say versus what we think is going to happen? And yeah, uh, went more into percentages and regarding like probability humans naturally are major optimists even the pessimistic people are too optimistic yeah. about um virtually everything and we should always you know keep our uh optimism in check uh in regards to everything because you know everyone thinks they're always going to win no matter what they do there are very few people who are have like low self-confidence and don't think they're going to do good right all of us to an extent have a very high estimation of ourselves and what we're going to do and how that's going to happen, how smoothly and how easily our goals and aspirations are going to come true. And so, yeah, to, to, to like someone who's um, very successful and has, you know, gone through many things in life, I bet the book would make them pretty mad. And the author does say, in fact, that like a lot of professionals in, the, in, in their specific fields have gotten mad at him for taking more st a statistical and realistic approach to the numerous fields. But he's, he's pretty bold about it. I, I like Daniel Kahneman. So, yeah, interesting book. And then, um, yeah. So, I mean, you yourself, at least as a person who is, um, extremely optimistic, you know, maybe, maybe said to have a large ego at times. And I would certainly say that you're optimistic. I mean, just yesterday you said you're always happy. Nothing could ever make you not happy. Right. Yeah. It's like a pretty much a direct quote. So what, what are you taking away from that? That he's pretty much saying that you should be more like, at least like less optimistic about things. Like what what is, what is like your actual thoughts on that rather than just like yeah well um yeah what yeah what he's saying is um like optimism in terms of right like i'm gonna work on this and i think this is gonna work because i'm the one working on it and i'm gonna make it happen and no matter what it's, it's gonna work because you know i i believe in it and i'm gonna do everything possible to make it work right and yeah i i, I do kind of have that the things you work on i think you know no matter how realistic you can be, you've got to have a certain amount of that. Like if I'm going to go into it, I'm going to make it work no matter what, right? Even if that's not true, I, I think if you're going to go into a business or go into a venture, school, grades, academic, anything, right? You have to have a bit of that or else I don't, I don't think you'll have the self-confidence needed to succeed in whatever you're going to do. So, so, all, so you think that's a good mindset to have then? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 even mindset. though, 
yeah, even though like statistically, like it might not always work out. If you enter something with that approach, I think it'll like be much better than if you're like, okay, you know, I, I you know, statistically, like it has a 85% chance of failing and only 15% chance of succeeding. But, you know, I, I guess I'll take those odds. I'll, I'll, I'll see what I'll see what will happen. You know, maybe maybe I'll succeed. Maybe I won't, but it, it'll be okay. I think, you know, going in with like, okay, I'm going to make it work no matter what. Even if even if that's not true, even if you know it's not true, going in with that kind of mentality, I think it's going to be much better for you than going in with the you know statistical kind of approach. But I guess on a macro scale, when you look at it, yeah, that statistical approach makes sense. But for the individual person entering a field or trying to achieve something, I don't think it um, makes sense to think that way. So I personally okay. wouldn't think that way, but I, I understand where he's coming from. Okay. Anything else you've been reading from? Um, well, um, Atomic Habits, a book that you very, very much love and the author whom you, um, you know, praise all the time. But yeah, this is my third time reading the book. Uh, the first two times I just I read like maybe 150 pages. I just somehow I stopped. But this time I'm going to I'm going to start. And I'm going to finish the book. Um, I'm on page uh, around like 150, 200 right now. And yeah, it is it, it is good. Yeah. I love the way James Clear writes, which um, I know you love too. It's a very um, non-fluff. Uh, by fluff, I mean things that don't really matter and just kind of re-emphasize the point in uninteresting and boring kind of ways that a lot of authors do. I'm glad that James Clear doesn't do that. He always um, introduces topics in, in a fresh and exciting kind of way that keeps you turning the page. And he writes in a very like non-complicated a more simplistic uh, way that makes you want to keep reading the book and not put it down and not say to yourself, oh, Jesus, why am I reading this book? It's so hard every time you pick it up. So I think he does a very good job of that, making me keep on turning the page. I will probably finish this book another two days. And um, by the next podcast, I will hopefully have implemented some of the things that he says. So, yeah. yeah. What, what are your, what are your thoughts on Atomic Habits and how, how has it impacted you? Well, as you know, the Atomic Habits is my my pocket Bible. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, not really, not really. I just like tr I really like the book. Uh, as you said, like James Clear is very concise in his writing. You know, there's plenty of like humor in there as well, mm -hmm. and like, he he gets the point across like very well. Yeah, you know, I don't feel like he dumbs it down, but he also doesn't give it to you at the most complicated level. Like he makes it very understandable, mm -hmm. and I I I think. This book can benefit almost anybody. I, I don't know who this book wouldn't benefit. Even if you have a perfect way or like perfect habits and you know how to implement habits perfectly, you know, th then at, at the very least, this book will just, you know, reinforce like those already, like the, the structure that you already have pretty much. And we'll just like, I, 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 th I think everyone should read this book. It's, it's about, you know, obviously like forming habits and how like just small changes and habits like doing things every day is gonna build up and have a large effect on you. yeah yeah I, I i agree a very very universal book i don't see anyone who can't benefit from this because it's habits something that every single human being um um can form and does form every single day gives many examples of just you know simple things human beings do that are because of habits right you walk to a dark room without even thinking about it you turn on the light and it, i don't i don't it's like a very simple example but human beings do things like this every day, you know, no matter what field they're in, what they're trying to get into, what they're trying to achieve, can truly help anyone accomplish their goals. So, 
Yeah. Is there anything you don't like about the book, Rob? Um, I, I, like what made you stop reading the first few times, at least? Like, I might be. I mean, yeah, I know, you know, starting Atomic Habits and not finishing is, is you know, pretty big irony because uh, the book is basically saying, you know, when you start something, don't put it down, do it every single day and, you know, you will find fruit out of that thing. But the reason I stopped it, I, I don't know, I it was, I started this book in sixth grade. I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. The first time I read it and put it down was in sixth grade. And I just, I, I guess I didn't find the value in reading back then. I didn't, you know, truly understand the benefit, the benefit it can have. But now I do. I guess those last two times when I read it in uh, twice in middle school, I just wasn't in the right mindset to learn and gain value out of it. It was more just, uh, you know, my dad told me to read it. Oh, now I got to read it. And, you know, I don't really care if I finished it or not. I just wasn't in that mindset. So I'm, I'm glad I'm in it now. So, I mean, no. Yeah, as far as negatives, I, I don't really have anything negative to say about it. Not not really. I, I, I do think if you're trying to do... um. I, I do think maybe it caters to the, I don't want to say average person, but it's it's a more very simplistic approach to achieving big things, achieving success. And this can 100% work. I'm not saying it doesn't. I, I mean, because I personally haven't tried it myself, but I think a lot of the things he says, like, you know, do things this for 10 minutes a day. If you do it for 10 minutes a day for a year, it's going to have a huge impact. I don't know if maybe necessarily like 10, 20, 30 minutes that low of a time range is going to have a major impact. And like, again, like I, I haven't tried the things in this book. I haven't, you know, done anything for like two hours every single day for a long period of time. So I don't really know the impact, but, um, I guess I will try implementing these kinds of things, maybe simple things like meditation. I'll try just 10, 15 minutes a day for a year. And maybe in a year we'll be on this podcast talking about the impact it had, but maybe just how low it is. I'm not exactly sure how big of an impact it might have. But j- just speculation is the only negative I have about this book. Nothing, nothing big at all. No. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I just asked that question because you know, we were, we were kind of selling it pretty hard. Yeah. You know? Like it was like both. both I mean, honestly, the only like beef that I have with the book per se would be it, it's, it kind of messes up the overall structure of the book. And like in the first chapter, like it just doesn't follow the, like the structure of like the rest of the book kind of as far as uh, titles and sections goes, which I, mm-hmm. I noticed and that kind of like annoyed me a little bit, but like, <laughs> that's like an, an infinitely small thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, yeah, maybe another small negative was that it says a lot about how to build good habits, but it says very little about how to break habits. It says very, very little, like there'll be, yeah. there'll be sections like every, I think, um, uh, you know, the book, it basically, um, it tells you, it tells you four different steps, right? The first step is to make it obvious. The second step is to make a habit attractive. The third step is, um, I, I don't know, cause I haven't gotten to it, but after each step, it says three or four things to build a good habit, but it literally only says one thing to break a bad habit. So I think, um, breaking hab- bad habits is you know, equally as important as building good habits. Cause, cause I don't think you can build good habits. You know, if you have a lot of bad habits in your system, which a lot of people have, and I, I know I have too. So maybe a bit more about how to break those bad habits and transition to the good habits that, that might've been good, but very, very small complaints. Yeah. I mean, he pretty much says, as far as breaking bad habits, you just do the inverse of what you do to build a good habit. Yeah. Right. And again, I, I agree that that's, it's not really like giving it 
like as much credit as it kind of deserves because yeah breaking habits i mean he, he literally says in the first chapter that um what is it breaking a bad habit is like uprooting a powerful oak within and like you know just try, trying to uproot a giant tree is mm-hmm. like obviously like impossible and so he, he acknowledges the difficulty in trying to break bad habits but then when when he brings up the topic of breaking bad habits he just is like yeah just do the opposite of what you do to yeah yeah habits. exactly it's easy yeah so yeah, I, I I agree with you on that point, but yeah, it's pretty sound. Other than that, yeah. Anyways, and I know you have some questions. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we can ponder. For yeah. <laughs> All right. So I guess I'll I'll read the I guess I'll just read out the first one. Right? Mm-hmm. What regrets do you think that you will have on your deathbed? I guess we'll answer answer that first, or do I? Yeah, I'll, I'll answer that que- that question first. What regrets do I think I'll have on the deathbed? Um, I mean, we're pretty young to be answering this, honestly. I, I know like, we I, still have our whole, our whole lives in front of us, almost. Yeah, but I, I I came to this. I was thinking a lot. This isn't exactly answering the question, but I was I was thinking. I'm like, you know, everyone says life is short. Life is short. Life is short. I'm like. Right now, it yeah. seems you know super long and dragged out. Like I'm just waiting to finish high school to an extent. But I'm I was thinking and right like at like sixteen. Yeah, I mean like we're we're what like fifteen sixteen right now. We've mm-hmm. and I was thinking like I only have four more of these periods to go, right? Like I'm I'm fifteen right now. I've lived fifteen years. Four more of these fifteen year periods. I'm seventy five, right? I I only have four yeah. or five more of these to go. That's 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 like nothing, right? Uh, if you break it down as like that actual like years, like every year feels like decently long, and then you, you know you've got plenty, plenty of those left. Yeah, but I, I just like like what I've been doing these past fifteen years, man. I, it, it felt like nothing. You grew I, up. You, I, you've only been mature for like maybe a year. You've only been like you know maybe even like fully conscious for like, like four <laughs> years, even maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe yeah. Months. I I guess I guess maybe that might you know, make it seem like like you know fifteen years is a small amount of time. I I, I guess you're right when you say that, but. Yeah, what regrets do I think I'll have my deathbed? Um, yeah. I don't think I'll regret not working or not achieving or not, you know, doing something or being successful because I know that that's something that no one regrets on their deathbed, you know, regardless of whether they've been successful in their life or not, right? That's not something that yeah. people regret. So I, I don't think I'll have that regret because I, I think I will be successful. So there's no reason mm-hmm. to have that. Um, it's a difficult question. I think, I think maybe, maybe not showing enough love and care for the people around me. I think that's something I, I, I may regret. I think that's, that's a common one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's the basic deathbed regret. Oh, I didn't spend enough time with my family, you know? Yeah. I, I, but, but I, I, I guess it, it's that way for, for a reason, right? People you know, overlook, you know, what's, what's closest to them and what, you know, is always around them. Until, until it's too late at a point where like, you know, you, you can't redeem yourself and the things that are closest to you aren't there anymore. Like, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So I, I guess I understand why it's a common thing. It's, you know, the, the, you don't like appreciate the things that are you know, close to you, like until they're gone. So you don't know what you have until it's gone. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. the thing. And so I, I guess it's, it's, a, it's a classic thing for a reason, but I think, I, I think I would, I would probably feel that way too. So I guess, uh, um, yeah, that, that that would be it. I, I don't see what else, you know, when I'm, if I'm 90 old, what else would I regret? I, I don't think anything else. 
what, yeah. what, about, what about you Caden? anything that we could possibly regret like we're young enough to like fix kinda, that yeah. yeah so this is all I, I haven't really thought of this question myself before but it's kind of interesting that i mean if, if you uh have like the, the younger generations or just like young people in general you just ask them like well oh, what do you think your deathbed regrets will be i think that's actually kind of like a a, a beneficial question almost it, it's very like, much if you yeah. think out there and you're like oh what, what what would i regret on my deathbed it's like well i mean i guess this i guess maybe this well you have your whole life to like yeah to, to make sure you don't have those regrets just by thinking about it beforehand yeah that's a, that's like I, at first i thought this question was kind of like uh you know it's okay it's i guess kind of common but i guess in, in our specific scenario of being like pretty you know pretty youthful yeah. pretty young like it definitely makes it interesting i'll take like maybe a different approach if i was to die right mm-hmm. like just today and somehow what would my current like what regrets would i have on my deathbed Because like, I mean, that's another way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. It's, that was arguably more difficult too. I, I'll, I'll go to that. You're one. saying if you, if you were to die today, what, what would you regret? Yeah, what would my current deathbed regrets be? I, I'll come mm-hmm. back to that. that, that that's interesting too. That's going to take some more thinking. All right. So it, when I'm older, right, if I like like you said, if I live to be like you know 75 or whatever, what would my deathbed regrets be? <sighs> not not reading enough. I'm still struggling to make reading like a really good habit. Like like I said, when it it, it comes to picking up a book or, you know, studying chess or playing chess, and like, I I guess I just need to find a way to do both at least. Mm -hmm. Um, probably probably not. I can see myself regretting not traveling, but like not. I feel like if I did go out and travel, then I would. I don't know if that would be the experience I was hoping it to be. You know what I mean? It's like all these regrets you're regretting these things but you haven't actually done them it, 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 you, i i guess that you're, you'd be looking at it through rose tinted glasses almost if you know like that idiom you'd be, you'd be i don't know hyping it up right you'd, yeah but that's that's saying, the thing you're, you're tripping up right now because because it's hard to think about it that way and that that's that's the reason i've chosen this 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 unique exercise it's <laughs> it's mental exercise yeah <laughs> No, I, I wouldn't say that's tripping up on it. I'd say I'm just like really just thinking about the question. I think in general, people who have these like regrets, they're, it's typically regretting not doing something. But then, you know, if you if you went back and you did those things, you know, like, it could have been like really bad or it could have been like worse than it things played out, obviously. And then, you know, it could be like the perfect scenario and things played out like, oh, you know, I, re- I regretted not traveling and you know, I guess if, if I like traveled a lot when I was younger, I'd have an, an amazing experience. I'd meet awesome people, you know, I'd eat amazing food and see wonderful views. Or I could go out and travel and I could get like mugged and like get stuck in somewhere and I have my passport not work. <laughs> and like, just, just like, I, like it, things could just go wrong. Right. And when, when you're regretting something like that, you're, you're sort of expecting it to have played out perfectly, but you don't know that that's the case. And, you know, it's, it's easier to regret things than to actually do them because like, I'm, I'm guessing it's because of that, because when you're actually thinking of whether or not to do something, you do that like conscious, you know, cost benefit analysis almost but when you're regretting something, you're, I, I don't think you'd be doing it as much. I truly don't, don't know what regrets I would have in 75 years right now. I guess may, maybe not trying hard enough in high school. <laughs> or like my freshman year 
That would be a regret of yours on your deathbed? Well, because that's something that, like, has already happened, so I know that it happened. And that's also something that, like, if I live on to that age, you know, maybe maybe my life doesn't pan out the way it could have. You know, maybe I get rejected by, you know, all my, you know, target schools. <laughs> because of your like, freshman grades? Yeah. And then and then you'd be on your deathbed. Oh, if only I'd gotten one more aid in my freshman year. Could have gone to you, Penn. Yeah, well, my, life was, my life could have been completely different, you know. I'm guessing, although, yeah, you're right. That is kind of I mean, silly. I mean, you're, you're, you're kind of hinting at the, the, the at the mindset of a high schooler. That's coming from the mindset of a high schooler. Yeah. So I don't know what I'll be thinking then i don't know i mean that's that's real like like butterfly effect kind of stuff so i mean yeah it is it always it is i mean i I do i do complain i would like to make a movie about the butterfly effect i don't think enough movies have been made about it i think it's such an interesting concept i don't it's completely random but if i were to make a movie i would make one about the butterfly effect it is such an interesting concept what how would you do that without it being time travel though maybe maybe like like a movie where you know a, a man um he goes somewhere, maybe like a coffee shop or like an interview or something, and three different situations happen, right? And like in, yeah. in like each and like it's a three-hour movie or like in a web series, each is each episode's an hour and a half, something like that. But in each scenario, something's different happens at like let's say a doctor's appointment, like like in in one of them or like in one part, right? Maybe like he forgets his pen and he goes back in to get the pen. And like something else happens, maybe like a robber comes in at the same time, he's stuck in there or something. The second thing, the second part, you know, may, maybe the doctor tells him he's diagnosed with this, right? And the third part, something else happens. And just how it drastically changes the entire outcome of his life. I think that would make a super interesting, like, high concept film. If, if I was to be your partner on this film, my uh, artistic input would be to be to not have anything super crazy, like, oh, he, he forgot his pen in this timeline. He goes back and like the place gets robbed, right? Like that—that's too silly. Yeah, I know. It's just something, yeah, so, something a little more grounded and like serious, and really like exploring it, and not like not like a you know like gimmicky and you know, sci-fi kind of way, but in a more like you know serious form. Yeah, we're going completely off topic. Yeah, I know, I know. I, know. I, just, I had to say yeah, that it's fun. It's fun. So well, no, well, I, I would say is I, I would I would like to see right. He goes back. He gets his pen. Everything is completely the same, right? Then the next day, like when he wakes up, he just does something like a little bit differently, right? And it's just, you just see that scene, and like you know, maybe it's like a split screen type mm-hmm. thing. You see him like do something different. And then like the next day, just something like a little bit different happens. And then by the time he's like like older, like it's just a completely different life. I, I think that's how the butterfly effect truly plays out. Yeah. Not like you're gonna go back to your pen and get mugged, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, no, no. But I mean, it's it. it I think they're 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 these simple things that like. Uh, you know, can be considered like luck in, in certain situations. Like, like someone runs in, I was reading this one book once and he ran into um, a man at a coffee shop in India. And this, the, the man he ran into was a, you know, a, a successful entrepreneur. And the guy who ran into the successful entrepreneur was like, he's trying to do something with business. He's a coder and he's trying to like build something. And once he meets this guy, at the coffee shop, right? It was, it was a completely random meetup, but he gets this idea for, for, um, a business um like uber in india so he, he basically built the uber of india that has a crazy high net worth right and like the only reason he had that idea and he had that thing to build it was that run-in with that entrepreneur so if he didn't meet that entrepreneur right like it, it could have been completely different where he went or what happened or how that could have ended up for him and just and th- this is just like an example there are millions of these out there right even in your daily life like i bet you could name some it's just so common and it's so overlooked how these simple things can have a massive change. 
Yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you one for me. Texting you, asking you where you were at after entrepreneurship club that one day. Oh, was was that what? Well, like, I think that's what led. <laughs> that 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 that's where. Like, we pretty much that, that that was the butterfly effect for me. If I if I didn't be like, oh, where's Lennon? Where's Bob? We we would not be here right now talking. No. Yeah, yeah, because 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 you yeah. had that idea that you know, you know where's Landon, where's probably they should be here, and then you know th- that's when like the idea of you being a co-founder like like with me like popped in my head like hey, Kaden's a smart guy. Like, what, what if I asked him? What if what if he he joined me with, with Quick Sports? That's when it popped in my head. You're, you're right. Yeah. Butterfly effect. Butterfly effect. <laughs> oh yeah. That's funny. Just that one text. Yeah. Like we would not be here right now sitting talking. No. That's funny. Foresight wouldn't even exist. Foresight wouldn't exist. <laughs> How sad would that be? Okay. So, I mean, do you have any... Yeah, other than not spending enough time with the people around me and, you know, showing love, showing care, I'm... What what else would, like, when, when I'm 90 years old, I'm, I'm sitting there, like, like, about to die thinking, like, what could I have done differently? And, and I, I think it's interesting that, like, no one on their deathbed regrets doing something. Everyone regrets not doing something. No one regrets like, oh, I, I did this. Like it, it, it was, it was a mistake. I should have gone back and done something differently so that I was yeah. more successful. I, I should, I should have done something. I should have like not done this, right? There. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, no one regrets you, doing something. It's always not doing something. You, you regret leaving your family, or you regret like, like there, there are some cases. But I'd say yes. The majority of them are regretting not doing something, and I think that's because of my rose-tinted glasses theory, where you think things would have played out better than they actually would have. I think I think to an extent, but I feel like that only applies when someone regrets like not 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 things so broad such as like I regret not spending time with the people around me. I regret not like you know um, being with my kids more. I regret not having like not things like that, but things like like what you're saying. It's things like I wish I would have gone into acting. I wish I would have you know um, taken this career. I, w- I wish I would have like moved here. Right there, these are some concrete things that could have had you know massive butterfly effects changing their life. So I, yeah, with those kind of situations, I, I agree with you. But I, I think I think in in a lot of cases where it's more of like a like a I don't want to say spiritual, but a more of like a like a how they live their life kind of thing, and not like what they did in their life kind of thing. Mm. I'm just, I, okay, I get that. Like, I I see. I guess almost having different ideals. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, like I wish I would have been more open minded about certain things. I, I wish I would have like appreciated the people around me while they were there. Things like yeah, your values, what you, what you like, kind of the lens you saw through, and like like when you lived, like like a lot of people wish that that would have been different, and that they could have you know maybe lived a more fulfilled life if they had seen things a different way. Not necessarily like I like I should I should have done this at this time, kind of thing, as opposed to that. I think this just comes down to like hindsight, you know, hindsight is, you know, pretty close to 2020, but you know, thinking out to 90 when you're 90 years old is pretty hard. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It is difficult. That's why, that's why, that's why I chose it. It's my question for the day. Well, want to go to your other question of the day or you want to keep on like thinking about this one? Do you, do you have a question of the day? <laughs> what, what kind of people, what kinds of people do you try to associate yourself with and what qualities do those people have, Rob? Um, how about you answer first? What, what kind of people do you try to associate with? And what qualities do those people have, Caden? 
right. See, th this might get me labeled as a psychopath or maybe a sociopath, but I think I think people are kind of categorized into two groups. All right. At least, at least as far as like for me, like there are okay three groups that like matter to me, right? And I'm not saying that all people fit in these groups. I'm just saying this is how I try to maybe categorize people. All right, I would say like group one would just be, um, what's a good word? I guess high value people. I think I've heard that term used before. I think some of these high value, which is just like in my opinion, just people that like you literally will benefit from being around. Like they're potential role models, and they're people that have the traits and qualities and habits that you want to have. So by being around them, you're just making it easier for yourself to adopt those things and get those habits and have those ideals, and uh, as well as just being around like-minded people, right? And maybe as well, a, a different kind of uh, like quote high-quality person would be someone who is like very smart, but maybe has different thoughts than you do on a certain topic. Because I, I think it's beneficial to be around people who have like different views, but who can like, put it in a like an eloquent and sophisticated way. So that you're not, I guess, uh, creating like an echo chamber around yourself, just hearing the things that you want to hear, which I think is happening like definitely a lot, in the, especially on social media and stuff. So I think just getting both perspectives is important. So those are just two I guess, types of high quality people, right? Like as an example, I'd say that you you'd be a high quality person for mm -hmm. me because we have we share the same interests and ideals on like most things. But there's also some things that we can disagree about and have like intelligent conversations about. And you, know, you can like give me an opposing view. Uh, so I mean, I'd say that's 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 group one. That's um, that's uh, a kind of people I'd try to associate myself with, and I guess the qualities that they would have. I mean, but another group, right? I would be like people who add value, right? People who add value to like my life in some way, and obviously it's mutual, right? That's what makes it a friendship. So I add value to their life in some way as well. But maybe we don't have this exact same ideals. Maybe I don't think they're a good influence to be around. They can still provide like something like very useful to me, and I I I, I can do the same to them. But maybe I wouldn't hang around that person a bunch. Maybe I wouldn't text them all the time. But like that's still that's still something uh, uh, a relationship where we can like mutually benefit from. Like there's there's a lot of people at school. I I, I don't agree with like what they think on a, on a ton of things. But I'll still be around them, like at least for social reason, social reasons, you know, carpooling, like et cetera, like just like things that, that, that are just beneficial, right? And it's not like you know I'm being a, a fake friend or anything. I'll obviously like try to confront them on some things, but like I don't know, it's it's a mutual relationship. Okay, right, so 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 from out of here, there there are two categories: uh, one, so high qu high quality people; uh, two, yeah. people people you use for carpooling. Is that? <laughs> Well, Does I mean, that... also pe people who I I'd be around at school, like uh, just like just for fun, like we we both know like people who we hang out with who like might not be the best influence, but it's fun to hang out with them. They make you laugh, you make them laugh. Maybe you can do some like activities with them, etc. But there you there wouldn't be people that you would want to be like or be around twenty four seven. Would you agree? I agree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously carpooling is a big thing because I I'm not able to drive yet. I haven't started my driver's license. You know, I'm a bit I'm a bit late on that but uh, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um I, I i agree on the on the categories you said um uh but i i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily like um when you say high quality person i, I think it's hard to like you know determine what high quality means so i i guess i guess there's the group of people that that i try to like 90 90 percent of the people that i hang out with or i, I associate with i want them to like 
have values, like you said, have values or traits or characteristics that I'd, I'd like to gain, right? They might not be like perfect in every category. They might not be like me, that they might not be like, you know, have the same mindset that we do towards like success or life or anything. But if they have any value that, that like, I wish would like, you know, I, I can develop myself. Like, I, I like to hang out with that kind of person. Like I've, I have many friends who are, you know, like um, in terms of like grades, you know, focus and uh, just, just achievement overall, they're not, you know, very high. But in some things like, you know, being being careful, being mindful people, um, you know, in any social situation, acting the best in like safest possible way. I have a lot of friends who are like really good in that. And so I associate with them because I'd like to develop those those um, qualities and those traits myself because that's something I value. So I think it's I benefit from you know, associating with them. And, you know, there are also some like very rare kind of people who like share the same mindset as me, mindset as me and want to get to the same you know, so either is that uh, social status or wealth or get to the same point where I want to be. Right. So, you know, that's, of course, why I like associate and spend time with you. Not only, you know, because, you know, you're you're a great person, you're a great friend, but because you have the same aspirations, I think will benefit a lot, you know, because because we'll grow t- together as we talk and we learn and we do business and we expand. So I think it's a very, very mutually beneficial relationship. And um, those are those are pretty rare to have. So I'm, I'm glad we have that. But there's that kind, there's a kind, you know, where they have some sort of value that I can gain from. And then, yeah, um, as you said, a type where like, you know, people who offer some enjoyment or entertainment or can make me smile or make me laugh. But I know, we're, like in the long term, like we're not going anywhere with that. And I, it's spending my time with them for a long period of time is not a good use of time. They're just people who you're around either in school or, you know, driving home or in the bus or something that are just there to like make you smile, you know, have some fun for a little bit of time. And I, I think, you know, that's at, those kinds of people are everywhere and like they're really beneficial because, you know, making someone smile is a pretty big thing. So I think those people are important too. Yeah, I think, yeah, I agree. I agree with a lot of what you said. Yeah, uh, I think, I think that those like two categories can almost be like labeled as like, like friends almost and associates, right? Do you agree with that? Associates uh, I mean, being the people who are like around you and make you smile and the people who Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess like people who like who like you know and you like you associate with them and like you know, like you, you talk to that person, right? Like I'm thinking of, like someone who's like it sits on the bus and you, you talk to them on the bus but not really outside of that. Yeah, yeah. You, you wouldn't really be friends, but you'd you'd be like may, like maybe called associates. I don't yeah. know if I'm using it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like someone who sits next to you in Spanish class, you guys talk all the time, but out of school, you, you wouldn't really talk. Yeah, they're, they're people who are like in your lives daily. And like, you know, you have to be kind to them. You have to be, you know, um, not not like friends, but um, people in your daily lives that that, that you that you may benefit from. So, yeah, associates. Yeah, as I don't see a better word to call them. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, and I think I think the qualities that like the people have is obviously going to be changing like from person to person, right? And like so that, that's why it's I don't think you can really build like an overall model because it ultimately just depends on like the things that you have interests in, right? Like hanging out with somebody who's like a really good skateboarder, but like not much other than that wouldn't really provide that much like use for me. But maybe if you, maybe if you want to be like the next Tony Hawk, that'd be a great great yeah. high high value person to hang around. Yeah. Like, because they 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 have the same interests and they're good at what they do and they're good at what you want to do eventually, yeah. right? So yeah, obviously, yeah, uh, yeah. It all depends on like like what person, where you want to go, or, like where you want to be. So, yeah. And I mean, so this might, this might be going on a bit of a side tangent, 
but at least in my mind, I, uh, do you think you have a good definition of like friendship uh, or like being friends with people? A definition? I, I, I don't say I, I don't think I do. I, I mean, we can look at the definition of friend right now on Google and, and see how it compares to ours if we have one. Well, no, think of yours first then, right? Oh, it's too late. A friend, a person whom one knows and with whom one has a bond of mutual affection, typically exclusive of sexual or family relations. What, is, can you, what was the mutual part? Mutual affection? Yeah, has a bond of mutual affection. Okay. Do, do you agree with that definition? Yeah, yeah, I, I think it puts it in a, in a pretty basic way, but yeah, I, I agree with that. A bond of mutual right. affection. I could be completely off base here, like potentially, but in my in my opinion, a friendship is just it's like a, it's like a partnership to like add something like a value exchange. Life, at least, it, it's it's like an opportunity, like for both people to gain something, right? It's like a two way relationship. You know, you know, you maybe say mutual affection, but definitely like mutual gain, at least, at least like gaining on both ends, right? You, maybe you trade your time for like, you know, like them to make you smile, or like there's just, like, just mutual gain. Yeah, yeah, of you, course, yeah. I, I, I'd say, I'd say that that applies to to any relationship. Wouldn't you agree? A, a, a mutual gain by having a relationship with someone isn't that kind of the point of a relationship? Yeah, so so that, that that's what I think, right? Okay, I'm, I'm like I'm glad you agree with me on that. I think, and at least in my opinion, from what I can tell, it's been kind of like almost I would say, I don't know, like the, to the extent that people believe that has been like lessened, and that I I've seen people who are in friendships and in like relationships where they are truly like not gaining anything from it, but they feel bad if they like maybe they feel bad if they stop being friends with another person. Maybe they feel like that they need to be there and keep on being a friend for that person. Maybe even when there's they're not getting gaining anything, and maybe then it becomes like almost a one-sided thing. But they still think that that's like a, a good friendship to have. And mm. but I I don't know. I, I just do you, do you again. I could be completely off base, but do you think that that's like prevalent or you think I'm? I I would not say it's it's prevalent. I I do see certain situations where. As you said, you know, people hang out with someone just to like, you know, not hurt their feelings or not, you know, because 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 it, it, it is sometimes hard when like there are certain people who, um, you know, are you you kind of feel satisfaction in the fact that they feel satisfaction hanging around with you, but you don't necessarily see any value being added to your life by their interaction with you. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? Like you, you feel satisfaction or sense of like. Okay, I'm doing the right thing because I'm spending time with that person and because that person is enjoying their time with me. But I'm not really enjoying my time with that person. Yeah, if you're not right? enjoying the time, if you're not getting satisfaction, if yeah. you're not enjoying that time with the person, maybe. Then like yeah, that's fine. Yeah, so I I I I'd, I'd say now that's not um I I'd say in in high school, um in college and the, as the more time goes on, I think it becomes less and less prevalent because of like how little time people are forced to spend with other people, I guess. Yeah. I guess I think you have more choice as as you know you go on and people kind of like mature more to understand you know when they're in that kind of one sided friendship or one sided relationship, so they can kind of like back off and kind of ease out of it themselves. I think as time goes on, I think um, the prevalence definitely decreases, 
but it, it it's it's there it's there i'd say All right, one second. Okay. So, I mean, any anything else you want to add, or any, anything we can further this discussion anymore on the kinds of people you try to associate yourself with? Um, I mean, we pretty much said the same things. Have Have you ever had to disassociate with someone in in the recent in recent times? Maybe past two three years, have you ever you know spent a lot of time with someone and decided you know this isn't good? I have to spend less time with them. I mean, like multiple times, and it might not be a fully, you know, conscious decision. Like, uh, you know, I think I'm just gonna stop hanging out with this person. I don't think they're that good of an influence. But like, yeah, there's definitely. I mean, I think I speak for both of us when you say like, when when you're younger, you have a lot of friendships, and a lot of those, you know, eventually peter out and like just stop existing, mm-hmm. kind of. And most of the time, those aren't those aren't gonna be the people who you have a lot in common with or share a lot of the same ideals or like, what else, you know, how how would that really happen? So yeah, there's definitely been friends, and again, I don't think I've, I don't think I've, I've I don't think I'm yet to like consciously, uh, like, cut someone out of my life. But it more just happens is to, like, in the way that I, I sort of find out that like, we we don't have that much in common, and like we don't really do that much together anymore. And so I'll just sort of naturally just, like stop talking to them about mm-hmm. things, and then you know I guess it's just drifting apart after that point, right? Yeah. As well, and I mean, I don't know. How about you, Prob? I mean that that yeah uh, naturally it's it's happened like yeah I I'd I'd say like many times over the past uh, two three even like four or five years it, it it's happened a lot you know of course like as people grow older go from like you know middle school to high school like it naturally happens a ton especially between that you know eighth grade to ninth oh, yeah. grade gap so um yeah I, I think I think that's when you kind of learn like who's like like your true friend that you're gonna have for a while and who's like kind of like okay you were in the same classes in middle school you kind of hung around but you know you don't have that much in common that's why. You don't hang out in high school anymore, right? So mm-hmm. I think that gap is, is pretty important. I think I think consciously I've I've done that one time where I've realized like, okay, me and this person we have a lot of fun together, and you know like it yeah, talking with that person is great, but like they have some like values and like they, they do some things that I just like do I really want to associate with someone who does that? So I, I had to make the conscious decision to just like, even if I wanted to do not accept their calls and like just you know reply just like very minimally. I've had to make that once and it it wasn't easy but like after you know like a month or two it was you know, like we both kind of understood you know, our our each other's stance and we both kind of naturally eased out of it but yeah, yeah thankfully I haven't I, I don't have it yeah. all right well do you want to want to talk about philosophy a little bit or I'd, I'd love to we've, we've, we've that, you're, you're gonna have to guide the well, I mean, you don't have to know like that much. And again, like, I, I'm not a philosophy expert or anything. Mm-hmm. So, right, I'm, I'm I'm reading from a book here, pretty much, or at least like note cards, right? Anyways, and I'm just trying to get a good conversation, or at least just some some deep thought out of us, mm-hmm. right? Anyways, I guess we'll call this philosophy hour. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I'm not. Anyways, the the first topic in philosophy that I'm going to bring up, also conveniently, the first chapter of this book, is the human condition. All right, and so in in kind of, so uh, this chapter, uh, I mean, the way this is gonna work is we're gonna have uh, one topic, I guess, that we're gonna talk about. Then we're gonna have one philosopher or um, one, w- all, all the things are gonna be from one philosopher on that topic, right? So this is the human condition from Hannah uh, Arendt, right? And so in a nutshell, all right, this chapter, like you know, being summarized in a nutshell, is the nature. Of human or, or the nature of being human 
is to do the unexpected. And with every birth, uh, every birth carries with it a possibility of a changed world, right? And I'll be honest, I, I didn't really agree with like too much from the first chapter, right? So I guess like we can already just start thinking about just this, like the, just the summarization of this chapter. The nature of being human is to do the unexpected and every single birth carries with it the possibility of a changed world. I mean, what do you think about that, Prav? Every birth carries with it a possibility of a changed world, and um, our job is to do the unexpected? Well, maybe not our job, but just the nature of being human. The like, nature it's human nature to do the unexpected. Do I, I, I'm not sure if I agree with the nature is to do the unexpected. I feel the same way. I, 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 I think there are certain people who have, but I, I think they've gone significantly against human nature to do that thing i don't think um th- i don't think it, it was human nature to because 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 human nature is to go towards the mean human nature is you know it's yeah. uh, time and time again is to like you know don't go too far out don't go too close to the sun it's to kind of stay near the pack stay with like like be, the closer you are to average the safer you are in society and the safer you are like, mm-hmm. it, like at all times right the closer you are to like yeah. how the average person is you know, no one's going to want to do anything with you because you don't have anything that that to say against people. You don't have anything wrong with you. You're just normal. And so that's 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 safety in, in the real world and how it's been for centuries. Right. Yeah. It probably stems from like, like just straight up like biology, almost like if you're like close to the average like person, then you're not going to be of like that in that much. You're not going to be exposed to that much more risk. Yeah. Right? If you're part of the pack, it's going to be safer. Right. And even like, you know, a quote just came to mind. It was like. You know the path less followed right or the path less taken i don't remember exactly how it goes right but still that's a path that was taken it's not it's not saying like take the path that's never been taken before right it's not saying like you know be a trailblazer do the unexpected right mm-hmm. it's, it's maybe just saying like uh, do things a little bit differently but like still still click still stay pretty close to the main path yeah just, do one less taken so yeah i mean obviously i think every birth carries the possibility of a changed world yeah right i mean like you know, another Elon Musk can be born like any second. There is a possibility. Or you know, another Einstein, another another Isaac Newton, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I completely agree with the with the second point. The, the first point is I, I, I really don't like agree with it like at all, to be honest. I, I don't see how it, human nature. I mean, maybe if, you know, they say human evolution or human like progression is due to, you know, like, uh, creating change and doing the, doing the unexpected. Like, that would make sense. But human nature, I, I strongly disagree with that statement. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, we're, we're just going to be kind of summarizing the main points from these philosophers. And since we're not going to get too deep, you know, may, maybe Hannah uh, Arendt uh, has a super great explanation of, mm-hmm. like, why the nature of the human being is to do the unexpected, but I, I read this whole chapter, and I didn't find it, and I kind of disagree with that point. Mm-hmm. But, like, she she does have an honestly great chapter, and I, I'm really I'm really interested to see what you'll, like, say about this, right? It, or this really sub-paragraph, maybe. So, rediscovering glory, right? So I'll just read, uh, I'll sort of paraphrase it. Okay. So, in ancient Greece and Rome, the lives and prospects of poor people were essentially carried out in the home, right? With no prospect of influence or real action, right? In contrast, the men of means um, could be actors on the public stage and take action to better or advance the whole of society. But in our time, the home has become the focal point 
and we have been reduced to consumers with little stomach for politics. The ancient quest for glory seems alien to us, even distasteful, yet in reverting to the mere householders we are, we're giving up our potential. Right. I thought I thought that was really interesting. And I, um, mm. yeah. So, so, so she's saying... Again, she's kind of the, so she, she was saying the poor people in Greece were just forced to be in their homes, correct? And... Like, their lives were carried out inside of a home. Yeah. Or, like, the, inside of a home. And the people who had, like, means, they had money, they had stuff, they were on the public stage, and they were taking action, you know, better and advance all society. They were in politics, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And But nowadays, you know, the focal point is on the home, and we become consumers with little stomach for politics. And, like, the, 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 par- or the sentence, at least, that really speaks to me is that the ancient quest for glory seems alien to us and even distasteful. What do you think about that? Problem? But aren't the people today of means still involved in politics and creating change and shifting ideologies and people? Aren't, aren't the people of means still doing that? Aren't the people that are not necessarily poor, but even like middle class, lower class, aren't they still accustomed to just their homes and buying the products and consuming the things that the people of means are selling to them? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely... Uh, I, yeah, explain that. Explain that a little more, because I agree. With you. Yeah, I mean, because she's saying like like back then in the day, like poor people, which were like you know villagers, peasants, which were you know ninety percent of the people, like probably even more, were you know the only impact they could have is inside their home, right? What they what they do with their like their family, how how their home is, and and even that they had you know pretty little say over, considered like how uh considered the, the government back in the day, and the people who had uh, of means, you know, meaning the people who had money were also the people who had influence and the people who could participate in government, right? Uh, the founding fathers of the United States were not, you know, like trained in politics. They were just very, very rich men who, who like had books because they were so rich and because they were so rich, they had time to spend, you know, discussing politics, discussing laws, doing all these kinds of things. It's because it's they, had, they had done business, they had done something to make the money and that money allowed them to spend time to do all these kinds of things that the poor person couldn't even think of. You know what I'm saying? And so mm-hmm. they're saying now, I still 90% of, 90%, of, 90% of people are still just in their homes, right? And consumerism is huge now. What can I buy? What can I buy? What can I buy? That, that's, all, that's all it's about. You know what I'm saying? And still now, the, the rich people who are selling products, who are, um, who are the ones giving the, the 90% everything they need, they're the ones profiting, right? It, it's, it's the same. The, the rich get richer, right? And that, mm-hmm. that's it. And that that's definitely for a reason. And and the richer they get, the more influence they have. And the more influence they have, the more they can influence, you know, politicians, you know, pull pull strings here and there, you know, have influence, change the the ideologies of people, change what they buy, change what they consume, change the media they watch, right? They have that power and that comes with money. So I, I don't think much has changed at all over time. Yeah, I would hundred percent agree. I one hundred percent agree. And yeah, yeah like her her saying that like in our time the home has become the focal point and we've been reduced to consumers. I feel like that's always like almost always, always been the case. Yeah. Right. And except for the rich and the 1%, the men of means, as she puts it, like they're the ones who are like viewing outside and trying to change things, you know, mostly for the monetary gain, but they're still the one who are in politics, still the one who are making the changes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I don't think that you can really say that things have changed as far as that goes. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, just maybe, maybe, maybe quality of life. In terms of you know simplicity, how easy it is to buy things, how easy it is to uh, just just live daily life, 
And that's just because of the change in labor, the industrial revolution. But uh, in terms of how society kind of functions as a whole, not much has changed at all. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And as well, they say that uh, we're, we're like we're consumers with little stomachs for or for with little stomach for politics. But mm-hmm. I, I think that, I mean, at least it seems now that many many people, almost everyone, is like has political views or is like up to date on politics. Yeah. I mean, would you agree with that? Do you think there's like a, most people now have like little stomach for politics and they don't like talking about politics? Like, yeah, at least I, the exposure I've had, it's like more political than ever. 100%. All, all people talk about is politics because politics is yeah. what creates divide. Politics is what creates tension. Politics is what creates excitement, creates what's going to happen. How is it going to happen? How can I separate myself? How can I, how can I be unique? How can I join in with the crowd? Like politics does, does all these things, which are very natural for the human mind to kind of go towards. And back then, you know, a lot of people didn't, didn't have the right to participate in it. But, you know, as, as democracy evolved, now people are, are, you know, able to care about it and able to participate about it. Not like a lot of the times that, that's all people think about. Even, like, even though, you know, really what they, it's not, nothing's going to really affect them, right? Like making the Republican or the Democrat uh, president, right? Like, is that really going to change their lives? Is that really going to have a huge impact? No. It, it's all just, just, just a psychological thing to, to get them thinking about these kinds of things as if, you know, they, they have a huge, they have power to change these kinds of things, right? So I, I, th- I think they definitely have the stomach for it, but do they have the ability to go out there and make a difference? No, they don't. Yeah, just like it was in ancient Rome, Greece. Exactly. Right? So, so yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I don't really like see what they're getting at there. And I was, I, I pretty much read that that whole paragraph there. Like very little was cut out. And uh, I mean, the last, the last part, which is the ancient quest for glory seems alien to us and even distasteful and that we're giving up our potential. I mean, I can maybe agree that like, at least like today's generations there they might be giving up their potential for you know short-term like satisfaction and Mm. such but i I don't know if the ancient quest for glory per se is like alien or distasteful maybe i think it's just just, i think it's just changed forms like Mm. people still want glory and fame like they they, like i don't know more people than ever want to be uh producing media and being famous on youtube right wasn't that like the number one uh uh, what was that I mean, yeah, it, 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 it's people still want yeah. fame and glory. Yeah, like like glory, success, like like these things are very like innate to human beings. It's just like whether you want to go out there and get it. And and people, I guess that's that's a difference that's between today and you know uh, well, like thousand years ago in, in Greece, right? In Greece, they didn't have that choice. They couldn't even even if they wanted to, even if they're ready to, even if they're able to, they, they could not go out and make that difference and you know build something for themselves and for their family and for their generations on and on and on, right? But but now people people have that choice, but they just uh, most people decide not to take it. So yeah, yeah. We, we, Is there uh, any other interesting uh, interesting quote. Right. This first chapter is definitely playing out interesting. Mm. And then the next quote I want to pull from it. I thought was a I don't know. I just wrote harsh in my annotation, so I guess I'll read that. See what it is. Is a the distinction between man and animal runs right through the human species itself. Only the best who consistently prove themselves to be the best and who prefer the immortal fame over mortal things are really human. The others, content with whatever pleasures nature will yield them, live and die like animals. So yeah, I think that's definitely a very <laughs> harsh, harsh quote and just harsh thinking in general. So basically what you're saying is that like the distinction between man and animal 
is that like those who constantly prove themselves to be the best and prefer immortal fame over mortal things are human. And the other people who just take the, pl the pleasures given to them live and die like animals. And so I, me personally, I think that that's, like I said, that's it's definitely a very harsh way of living or a very harsh like, way of thinking about the distinction between man and animal. Live but, and die like animals. What what is what does that mean? I know. Well, just like I mean, human humans are animals. So, I mean, regardless of who who dies, we die like animals. I don't. Okay. Well, uh, obviously they they don't mean it like that. I mean, I, I, like I, I guess, but it's just I, I I don't know. Like, do they mean like we die like like you know the normal person dies like animals? Like the animal has no you know impact uh, whether they live or die. And so like if you die, you just like. It's like an animal dies, no one cares. Do, do, do they mean it in that way, or? Uh, I, I don't know if it, I don't know if like the the dying like an animal part really is what matters. I think it's just the saying that like if if you're just content with the pleasures that nature yields you, you're less than human. You're an animal, right? Is kind of kind of what's being said here. Mm -hmm. well, I don't think that preferring immortal fame is something that is a distinction between man and animal. Like, I think there's plenty of people who don't uh, want immortal fame and glory. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't personally think that that would make them, I don't know, more closer to an animal than a human. And I can see where you'd get that, like maybe, like just looking at ancient Greece and Rome. Like, uh, this is just a tough quote to dissect. Yeah, this is yeah. It's it's like like where did they come from? Like like what? Like where are they coming from when they said that quote? Like what kinds of things are they? Like, so if, if humans try to achieve immortal glory and fame, then they're human. And, and if not, they just accept the pleasures of like the mortal life, then they're animals. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, in the context of this is it's pretty much right after the previous quote I read you. It's like, there's one sentence in between. Hmm. So, so it's. Okay. Live like animals. Yeah, this, this is a this is a hard one to dissect. It's just like like wh where are they coming from when when they said like what what makes you know immortal glory and fame? Is it is it do they mean striving for that or do they mean like attaining that? Those who prefer immortal fame prefer. over mortal things. So preferring that over I don't know what mortal things would be. Maybe like money, I guess, or like pleasure. I guess, which is a mortal thing. And, and so immortal uh, pleasure and uh, Im immortal glory and fame would be like making an impact or making a change or like writing a book or like, you know, preserving like your intellect for years to come. Is that I what guess, they mean like by... like having a statue built of you somewhere or something. Hmm. I... Uh, I, I... This is... I think I can just say that I, I, I pretty much disagree on it. I think that there are there are cases that kind of disprove this, like like disproven by contradictory cases, I would say. That's what I would label this as. Yeah, definitely not prefer, because just preferring something to another doesn't have any impact on like, you know, who you are, what you, I can, I can prefer anything I want, right? But if I don't go and get it, does it matter what I prefer and what I don't prefer, what I like, what I don't like? Like, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense when they say like if you if you prefer this over this, then you know you're human. But if you uh, you know prefer the other one, then you are you are not a human and you are living as if you were an animal. 
So I, I don't, I don't think I, I don't think I agree. Maybe if they, I mean, no, no, nothing a human can do. You know, if, unless it's like you know doing like unspeakable crimes or like doing like whatnot, right? Maybe then you can consider them an animal. But I, this is definitely not a case where you can consider someone to be an animal. It's this is way too harsh. Even I, I get the point that 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 they're trying to make, but it it by no means calls for like comparison to animals. It it, it just makes no sense. Yeah, uh, we're, we're painting Hannah Arendt in a, a pretty bad light here. Uh, I guess we'll go to that. <laughs> but uh, this is this is the quote, so I'm just reading it out. Yeah. Just, like, just, we're just giving our thoughts on it, mm -hmm. I suppose. All right. And so the, the final, I guess, uh, I'll read the final comments, right? Uh, you know, the conclusion. Oh, yeah, this was interesting. I was talking to you about this uh, while earlier. It's the conclusion of biologists and sociologists in the last 30 years is that people are shaped by their brains wiring their genes and their environment much more than had been thought previously right mm -hmm. so as opposed it's sort of like refuting the idea almost of free will, will. Yeah. yeah like the the decisions that you make the the things that you choose are like are almost like they came to through your brains wiring your genes and your environment mm -hmm. right and I, we, we've already pretty much like discussed this pretty well i mean yeah, I, 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 I do. I guess we, we, I know we both agree to uh, with that to a certain extent that, um, uh, you know, how your brain's wired uh, makes a pretty big impact on how you um, take in things from your environment. So, you know, pe people might say like my environment was like this, but, you know, I chose to ignore that or I chose to take that in. But but is is you choosing to take something in? Is that you choosing it or is that? the way your brain's wired, processing that information in a different way than other, another person would. And is, and is that the reason, like, you are the way you are? Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it calls into question, like, does free will exist? And, like, this, this is what I would say, right? Yeah, looking at it from a completely scientific standpoint, right, of course there's still advancements to be made in, like, neuroscience that will, you know, like, further this topic. But I, I think the, the, the way is definitely, like, seeming to point right now with, like, it seems like it's just input and output, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you've got you've got your brain's wiring, you've got your genes, and you've got your environment, and all those things are are what makes up your decision making like faculties. And then like whatever input, if you at some point, right? If you know exactly, you know the brain's wiring, the genes, the environment that went into a person, you could guess with a hundred percent accuracy accuracy the decision that they're going to make. Like, I, I'd say that, that that's the case. And if you don't think that, and you do think that there is like a true free will, like you can truly decide to make something and like, you can truly decide to like make you know, like an artwork that's like from the soul and has never been thought of and has like no relevance to those things, or at least like not full relevance to those things. And I, it's like what uh, Ben Shapiro said, as far as like, you, then uh, if you're saying that, then you're saying that you believe in something like greater than science and like, you're therefore believing in like a God or a deity mm -hmm. almost. Mm -hmm. It's like outside of science. And do you agree with that? Do you think that there's free will problem? Like intrinsic free will outside of just the the environmental and biological things that make you like what you are i i think so i, I don't I think there's free will I, i'm yeah i do I, i'm not gonna say there's like you know like this amount of free will or like you know this has um free will has more impact than uh, biological factors or free will has less impact but i i, I do think there's a certain level of it yeah i, I don't know why i think that way i i just I just can't see all of this, 
all of this, this, by this, I mean like the world, like everything being possible without something that's above science. I, I can't, I can't comprehend that. I can't see all of this being existent without something outside of science that could have caused it. I, I just can't see it that way. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. All right. And the so next thing is like, uh, history is a chronicle of the exceeding of expectations. Do you think that history is a chronicle of exceeding expectations? History is a chronicle of exceeding expectations. I and mean, that's kind of like an optimistic, you know, view. So, you know, maybe you'll agree with that. <laughs> history, history is just a chronicle of like humanity exceeding their expectations. Hmm. I mean, it's either exceeding the expectations or like being under expectations by like a, a long shot. Yeah. So it's yeah. It, fair. yeah. So I, I I wouldn't. Yeah, I I I understand the point it's it's trying to make, but I'd say there's a, there's a complete opposite thing to that um, point also. Oh yeah. yeah. Like there's like Nazi Germany. I don't think that's humanity exceeding. Yeah, the exceeding the expectations like, well, by well, a wide margin. You know what I mean? Like it's. Yeah, so you think? Would you say that history is a chronicle then of exceeding or um? I guess uh, not meeting expe expectations. Yeah, yeah, exceeding your feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that. That's yeah. It's yeah. it's either it's either great men having an impact or bad men having an impact. So yeah, I would I would say I would say that's true. Time for me to bring my thoughts, or mm -hmm. you know, at least compared to yours, my pessimistic thoughts to the table. Right. Okay. All right. What What are your thoughts on then the quote that uh, history is written by the victor? History or, is like, written. The person by who's victorious me. is the one who writes history. Do you think that's true? I mean, I, I personally think it is because, you know, you win a war, right? You're, you're going to be the one left who's going to be writing the history. And so you're, you're going to be able to say what you want to say. And you're like, paint, paint the things the way you want to paint or like the way you want to paint them. Paint yourself in the best light, I guess is what I'm trying to say. History is written by the victorious, right? Like if Nazi Germany, to, to use the same example, if Nazi Germany has succeeded in their ethnic cleansing and had truly taken over the world hundred years down the line, that, that would be like a, a great moment in history for them. Yeah, right? yeah, because that, that's actually very true because at that point, like the only people on earth would have been people who were like, who, who, who benefited from that. And so yeah. the, the entire like agenda would be, you know, like what we did was great. You know, Nazi Germany were, you know, like the people who fought were, were German heroes they save the world that would be the yeah yeah so to go back mm. to the quote do you think do you still think that like that quote is true then history is just a chronicle of humanity exceeding or failing expectations <laughs> and so i think with that quote i think there's like a bit of a back door into saying yes i th i actually think that yes history is still a chronicle of the exceeding or failing of expectations. Right? But it's, but it's so written that way by the victors. It's written that way by the victors, but if you think about it, right, to, to keep that same example, 100 years later, right, Nazi Germany won and the whole world is, you know, essentially what, what, would we, what we would call Nazis now, right? Mm. Then that is what humanity is. Those are the ideals of humanity at that point, whether you like it or not. So if, truly for humanity, even though it's like pretty much morally incorrect, for humanity that would be a chronicle of the exceeding of expectations. They won that war. You know, they were losing that war, but then they came back and they won. You know, then they killed all the Jews. <laughs> or they did the ethnic cleansing, right? For humanity at that point, that would be a chronicle of exceeding the expectations. So I think that the values and the views of humanity are going to be shifting like, with history, right? Yeah. So what, what do you think? 
Even yeah, yeah, because it's still because whether it's it's exceeding expect because yeah, history is always hundred percent either exceeding or failing expectations. But mm-hmm. whether it's exceeding it or failing it is determined by whoever wins. Yeah, and what and whatever they did, whatever the person who won did, was exceeding the expectations. And whatever the person who mm-hmm. lost did was written by the victor as the person who lost did being being you know being under expectations yeah so um, so yes yes so do you do you think that you can like really trust history books or no i mean i that's a poor way of phrasing it. i would say yes right but do you think you can like really fully believe in like all the history that you read and all the all of that stuff when like you you do know that history is like the chronicle of exceeding or failing expectations but at the same time it is still written by the victor, right? Even though that is true, like the current values of our society were determined by the victors in, in some ways, right? Obviously you can yeah, win a that, war that. and then like down the road, you know, history will change and you'll be painted in a bad light. Like the conservatives uh, there in the United States, right? Or the the Confederacy, what was it? Yeah, the yeah there's the Confederacy. Like they, they painted, they, they wrote history to paint themselves in a good light for a time, but then, you know, it, it, it obviously changed. And now statues are being torn down such but do you think you can trust like the history that you read as far as like morally uh, I'm, I'm i'm adding too many layers of complexity to this but uh, what do you think? trust the history you read more you can, you can forget the more I, I i think it, i think it really depends where you are in, in the world and and how they're teaching it because mm-hmm. it a, a classic example right uh, and we, we've talked about this um, Pearl Harbor, right? It's a terrible, terrible event. Uh, 150 people. Uh, I don't know if this is the exact number, but um, over 150 uh, soldiers died. And um, whenever we learn it in school, we learn this event every single year for numerous days, right? Not just one or two, like multiple days. We learn how terrible of an event this was. And when, and, and when we get to Hiroshima, like what? It's 2,400. 2,400. 2,400? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So th- th- that is a big amount. But whenever we get to Hiroshima and Nagasaki, right? We brush over in what, like, 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 fifteen minutes, like what we did yeah. to like four hundred thousand people, like innocent, not even soldiers, like, like, like women, children, like uh, civilians, right? We and brush we over that. On, like towns and cities. Yeah, and and no one even like like really thinks about that in America. But like once you really get down to the history and you read yourself, um, and go on the internet and, and truly like look at these things and not just what they're teaching you in school and like the values they're trying to put up put upon you, but it it shows like they're literally teaching like what they want us to like think about america and like the values we want to have when we're older about like what america stands for and like you know like all these things right they, they don't want to stress the fact that we killed four hundred thousand people like civilians that could it be could have been prevented i i don't know but but we did what we did and it, it was it, it's a terrible thing right uh no matter how you look at it but that's brushed over and you think about you know how they're teaching it in japan right it's completely mm-hmm. different. Like these guys have a completely different view of like how things ended or maybe. like what went over. So basically, so, we read both sides of history. Yeah, right? read both. Yeah, yeah I think it's very that's how you're gonna get like the closest that you can possibly get to the true history is reading on both sides. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But but, e- but even funny. then, right? It depends on like how how big of an event it was. Because if it's an event like this, then. Um, even reading both sides, I, I think it, it it may not necessarily be enough because of how like tremendous of an impact it's had and how you know the victors usually have a bigger say in how it's how how it went down. 
But in in yeah. small in smaller things where you know there were there were people watching and there are many people like you know knowing what's going on. Yeah, it, this is hard. But I I think I think the, the smaller the event, the smaller the historical event, the smaller the impact. I think the more accurate it will be. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a fair way of looking at. It. Well, yeah, it could be like mischronicling as well, or like I guess that would just be kind of outside of the perspective mm-hmm. that we're looking at this from. Yeah. And that, that's pretty much the. And I think there's one more quote. You want to go into one more quote from this chapter? Bob? Yeah, yeah. Let's do one more and we'll wrap up. Okay, okay. I mean, this this one's a little. It's, it's one of the long ones, but I think it's. I think this is a good quote. We might both agree on it if mm-hmm. I'm remembering it correctly. All right, so it's in the last pages of the human condition. Uh, Aaron uh, admits that the society of job holders that we have become allows people to abandon their individuality and behave as if they were simply a function instead of tackling head on the trouble of living and truly thinking and acting for themselves. Um, they've simply become a passive reflection of their environment, um, an advanced animal per se, instead of a real, aware, deciding person. And for Aaron, uh, being great is, or yeah, being great is recognizing that you are not simply an animal with various urges for survival, and also not merely a consumer with tastes or preferences, and that your birth was a truly new beginning and an opportunity for something to come into being that was not there before. Right. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll almost like break this down into its separate parts, right? And a, you think that we have become a society of job holders, from? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with that. Like, having a job is like obviously something that like that's just what you do. You know, maybe and in the past too. You know, I, I think that was still the case, but uh, arguably less so. Like, you you could just like travel around, right? I mean, at least it was easier to back then. You can still do that now. But like, do you do you think though that people have abandoned their individuality and like did they behave as a function? instead of tackling the like the troubles of living and thinking and acting for themselves I, I think a certain amount of individuality has to be abandoned for for a successful society at least most people have to abandon yeah. it. not not their entire individuality but at least a part of it for like a fully functioning society wouldn't you agree hmm. not not fully fair. not fully but for for a well-oiled machine right each part in the machine cannot have their own thoughts and their own opinions they have to conform to whoever's running the machine or else the machine won't work well i'll tell you this right in in uh, my history class right now what we're learning is about uh what is it communism versus capitalism mm-hmm. you know talk about needing to read on both sides with that because of uh, you know how obviously strongly the united states feels about communism but pretty much uh capitalism though is focused on like individual rights and the individual ability to do things Whereas communism is more based on the whole and based on the whole of society, right? Mm. In, in theory, of course, everything about uh, communism is in theory, pretty much. So I'd say like in capitalism, I think like there, there is importance that is placed on like individualism and being an individual and having like creative thoughts and ambitions and you're rewarded for that, you know, if you successfully pull them off, right? Yeah. Elon Musk is truly an individual, truly creative. And he, I, I use Elon Musk as an example far too much, but. Mm-hmm. He, like, uh, he's he's rewarded in our society for being an, an individual almost. Yeah, yeah, but I I don't I don't think. Yeah, I I agree. Some the yeah. works that way. Exactly, exactly. Like I said some people have to right. 
like the, the person who's running the machine, right? There are many machines all around like society, right? This isn't, but I, I think society also like operates in one giant machine in which you know, the, the government's the operator and everyone in, and the government and the rich people are the operators of the giant machine. And you know, all the machines within have to conform to like their rules and their expectations and their guidelines to a certain extent. But I think in, inside of all those machines, where those machines are companies or sectors or industries, within the overarching you know, machine of capitalism, right? I think each of the gears, the spokes in that machine, they have to conform to whoever's running it or else the machine won't work. It'll just stop. Right. So I think some people need to like have their own individuality and break out of it. But if everyone tried to, it just wouldn't work. It wouldn't work or it, society would just fail because no, because not everyone can have their own individuality and, you know, go out and do their own thing. And it, it just won't work as a whole because there have to be bodies of, of people like working together that, you know, I, if, you, if you call it, you know, losing some of your individuality, sure, I, I, I guess that's true. You have to lose some of your individ, individuality to work um, as a gear in a machine. Yeah, and I mean, you're pretty much, I would say you're pretty much like fully agreeing, right? It was like, like saying that we're, we're a society of job holders and you're pretty much saying that that like has created almost or like has forced people to abandon their individuality, to be a part of this society of job holders, Yeah. right? Yeah. And so, yeah, and I, I definitely think that, you know, the more and more people are like uh, not not really uh, tackling the, uh, I don't know, how hard it is to be truly thinking or just like not trying to be truly thinking. Right. But I, I think, I think, yeah, this actually brings a very important um, and actually thoughtful discussion about the future, right? It, as, as, we ev- as we evolve in technology and AI and all these things get more advanced, I, I, think, I think the future will be much more, um, based on like in individualism and you know um, appreciating the individual person and allowing the individual person to think for themselves and have their own choices because right now the society of job holders that's 100 correct right there are numerous numerous jobs that people have to do every single day but but eventually we'll get to a point where um you know society like ai robots these people are, are doing all the jobs that people are doing today and and, and the job of humans will be t- to eat food and, and to think and to think what could be bigger than this what could be better how can we how can we improve on this right and i think at that point like the true individuality and and creative and creativity will be more important than anything else yeah like robots and ai are either uh yeah yeah i mean they're going to take take over all the manual all the the labors and jobs that 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 are still around today they're going to take it over big time and so humans aren't gonna have to worry about those kind of things and then it'll be truly true not not true individualism but we'll, we'll be we'll be getting to that point I mean, I agree. I think that'd be a very nice uh, utopia to like, you know, have exist. But at least right now, the way it is, the more technology comes out, the more things that, you know, help you with your, you know, just alleviate things off your mind, you know, take, take the tasks that you would normally be doing manually, like making them computerized. I think that what that's doing almost is just like making people think less because now they're like, oh, I don't have to think about this. But mm. instead of filling that space, space with something useful, they just like leave it empty and like, I, 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 I honestly feel like that's the case. Like the more things that come out, they like, they just like are just beneficial and just like kind of help you, you know, do like more menial things. Like I don't, th- I don't think that those spaces are being filled with productive things. Like do you? It's like I agree. You know, it'd be it'd be great if yeah, and I, I agree. I, I, I just want to say like like ideally, right? When those you know all the menial jobs are taken away, you know, ideally humans will think right and and use their mind to create, come up with new creative solutions, not even solutions, just new ideas, right? But 
do you, do you think it's human nature uh humans you know just um when all these menial tasks are taken up them you know just doing doing dumb things and doing things that don't matter is that uh what what, what do you think is the cause for that well i mean obviously the human nature isn't to be unexpected right so mm-hmm. what i think that i don't think it'd be human nature to do things that are just like dumb right or else like we, we wouldn't be existing as a species today mm-hmm. but i mean it, it's hard to say but i definitely i definitely see the trend of the, the easier life becomes like the less thinking that we're like we're becoming almost mm-hmm. i don't know maybe that's just like the where we are in the world right now right I mean, maybe, maybe that, that maybe maybe that is human nature. Maybe like not uh, not not like being dumb, but like not thinking, not not like working hard, not you know doing these things that will you know wear us down. Maybe it's the simpler things are, the more we'll just exist, and existing is more biologically favorable than going out doing things, working hard. Ooh, see, we're getting to an interesting thing here, though, right? Because if 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 we were, if our human nature was to just like, um exist and reproduce just to exist as you say and what would differentiate us from animals obviously human nature if it's just to exist and and to survive so how are we different from animals what makes humanity so much greater that we've built infrastructure and communities and cultures right if human nature was to just exist we would just be another animal out there grazing on berries right so i i say that 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 like big contradiction there like refutes that almost and, mm-hmm. and says that human nature isn't to just exist that we have a greater purpose and i think we'll definitely be getting into a, a little bit of that when we're um, li- like hearing things from aristotle which I, we, we, we might we might get to that in the, in the next podcast but yeah, yeah we, well, we, we definitely have to pick up on human nature i don't know 100 percent. yeah yeah well right. this this has been foresight exploring thought and admission what are your thoughts on uh, philosophy? So, I'm sorry, I, I thought it was great. Was I, I, I think we should do this every time. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was like a chapter where like we, we disagreed with most of it almost. And then I still think there was like a value, value to be found in there, right? Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Right. You got the outro now. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, this has been Foresight, exploring thought and ambition with Prob and Caden. Thank you. And we'll see you guys next week.